Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to episode 101 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and join me for the first time in a couple of weeks here. We missed him last week, but he is back. The great Scott Coleman. What's up, Scott? What's up, Brad? Thanks for having me on. Uh, I thought about never asking you back after you, you could not make it for episode 100, but uh, things happen. Man. You're, you're a busy man. Uh, we did, uh, listen, uh, by the way, it would have been abject chaos. If we had four of us on the phone, it was already crazy enough with three of us. Uh, it would have been nuts, and I'm not that good of a host, so it actually worked out pretty well. You're selling yourself short here. Listen, I mean, I can talk, but it's the, it's the whole setup thing. If you have four people on the line, you've got to like talk to people and like be like, hey, Scott, what do you think? Hey, Carlos, what do you think? Because um, otherwise, it just becomes mass chaos. But anyway, uh, we will hit on a couple things that we talked about last week because I want to get your thoughts, of course, on a few big picture things. But aside from that, there is some stuff to talk about, even though admittedly, it is very dead right now. And that's kind of the big theme across baseball is just how dead it is. Um, but before we get into a couple of new things, I do want to get your uh, thoughts on two of the things we had on last week, number one of which was uh, the Zips projections because uh, we got a lot of feedback after last week's pod about that, people asking questions and people responding to what we said about the Zips. So I want to get, sort of get your thoughts on a couple of things, especially, I mean, I guess the big picture items would be uh, Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna, and I suppose Luis Juhara would be the sort of the surprising-ish ones of those, or maybe maybe the ones that are like encouraging in a lot of ways because you know the Braves overall projection is not super high but it's all the young guys that are actually treated really well you know it's it's certainly the the having the 20 21 year olds projected as high as they are always makes for for fun stuff um you look at Ozzy as you mentioned projected about three and a half wins and that was with um his WRC plus being 89 which I think is low I mean I, I think it was like 115 last year uh in the month and of course it was just a month but um, anytime you have a 21-year-old second baseman projected for upwards of, of three wins, uh, that's pretty special. Of course, Acuna, you know, for him, I think it's really just going to be a matter of of when he comes up, whether it's start of the season or two weeks into the season or, or the beginning of June. Uh, you know, Zip certainly thinks high of him. They have him projected for a, a 21 homers and 33 steals, um, another three-war player. Um, everyone knows how good he's going to be. It just it's it's. Uh, you know, we had heard that the the computers were high on Acuna coming in, and with good reason. And, and he's certainly going to be a special guy. Um, you know, it, one of the things that was encouraging, even with Dansby's horrible 20, uh, 2017, they're fairly high on Dansby, higher than probably I am. Um, I was digging into Dansby a little bit, and um, you know, they they have him around a ninety WRC plus. Um, you know, about two wins, which wouldn't be horrible considering where he was at last year. Um, and again, uh, this, 
the as far as the pitchers go, um, you know, Gohara. I'm I'm a huge Gohara fan. Obviously, I, I've already said I, I think on here that I think he's going to have the best season of anyone in the rotation next year. You did say uh, that. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. So it was nice to see. Uh, you know, it was nice to see him get some love. Uh, and then you just hope that Tehran uh, Tehran can bounce back because uh, obviously he's going to be such a, a big part of next year's team. So all in all, it's fun stuff. Uh, you know, not that the projections really mean anything, but it does mean that we're, you know, it's kind of signals being a couple weeks out. I think we're, as of recording, 10 days out from pitchers and catchers, and then the first game is, uh, you know, like 18 or 19 days away. So we're getting there, even if there's like 50 good free agents still out there. Uh, we are getting there, and, and it's always fun to kind of get to this point in the winter. Yeah, it is madness right now with the free agency. Uh, guys just sort of hanging out there in February is pretty wild to see. But uh, obviously I said a lot last week on the pod, but one thing I noticed on the Zips projections, which kind of made me laugh, slash nod my head in agreement, uh, in, in some ways at least, was uh, Julio Tehran being projected to allow 28 home runs. Um, <laughs> as a projection, that is, that is obscenely high. And actually... Uh, the system doesn't hate Julio. Like he's projected, I think, for what, like two wins or almost two wins. Yeah, or something. It's, not, it's not like he's projected to be this disaster. But uh, the twenty-eight home run projection was uh, an eyebrow raiser, and uh, you know, to go along with four point three five ERA. So nothing. They're not very high on Julio. Let's just say it's more like uh, that's a little bit closer to last year than you would probably like if you were a Braves fan. Um, still, this time as a number as a number two pitcher for the for the Braves this season. I'm kind of with you on Dansby. I do think that like. If you look at, as you kind of mentioned there in passing, the WRC Plus, it's not like they're rejecting this huge offensive season from Swanson. Like to get to two and a half, almost two and a half wins, it's a lot of defensive value. Like his offense, 87 WRC Plus projection, a 254, 331, 385 slugging. That seems kind of reasonable to me, like a 700 ish OPS. Like he actually could beat that. I wouldn't be terribly surprised by that either. Um, but, you know, the overall package, they're probably a little bit higher on the defense than a lot of people are. I think I'm probably higher on his defense than a lot of people are because, you know, judging by the mentions and uh, some of our comments, you would think that Dansby was the worst shortstop in the history of baseball defensively, huh. which he is yeah, not. he's not. No. Uh, you know, he had some moments last year, to be sure. But, uh, listen, I think he's going to be a pretty decent player. And we can go, we can go, go down this list in full, but there's no, really re- no, no real reason to do that. We, we kind of know who, we're sp- who is supposed to be good and who isn't necessarily supposed to be good. Uh, I do think it was pretty funny that Austin Riley projects as the number, I believe, the number eight hitter on the Braves roster, even though he probably won't be on the team all year. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike Soroka is fourth for the pitchers. Yes. Uh, Eric had a lot of fun with that last week, which was uh, amusing. <laughs> he really enjoyed that, as you may imagine. But listen, it's, imp- it's important to know, like, Fangraph's projected standings now has the Braves at 75 and 87. That's not all Zips. It's a, it's, it's a combination of Zips and Steamer. Uh, I like Zips more. I kind of always have. But Steamer is interesting. It's not like it's something that you should, you should just dismiss out of hand. So that's that combination. And um, it's very difficult because of all of the free agency that's still left to play out to actually get real projected standings that make any sense. Um, but 75 wins wouldn't be offensive to me. I mean, we could talk about that for the next month and a half, but it's one of those things where that doesn't make me like angry that I'm seeing a number in the mid seventies. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, if they can win 75 games and be competitive and the young guys have a good season, I think that kind of catapults you into a, you know, at least setting yourself up for a winning season in, in 2019. Um, but I'm with you. It's, it's, uh, you know, the projections are just that some guys are going to outperform. Some guys are going to underperform. 
Uh, it's fun though. It, it's fun to look at and see. And hopefully, uh, if Mike Soroka is the fourth most valuable pitcher on the Braves <laughs> this year, it will be a uh, <laughs> the Zips will get the last last laugh. I guess it'll be uh, it'll be funny to be sure. And listen, that's kind of all we have to talk about right now is uh, got things like Zip and things like prospect lists. Uh, not a whole lot has hit since last time we talked on the pod, but we haven't gotten your thoughts on the three major lists. You know, Baseball America, Keith Law, Pipeline, all of those guys sort of all weighed in on their top 100s, uh, you know, Colby Allard being off of Keith Law's list was the, still the eyebrow raiser for everybody, and then we should have a question later on about Allard in the mailbag, but anything jump out, jump out to you on those lists as like either super crazy or super fun? Are you higher on uh, any, anybody that you want to get out there? Just kind of your reaction to those major lists. Yeah, it was interesting, you know, with Keith Law, I know he's kind of the polarizing prospect guy for various reasons, and especially of all the major sites, he certainly values upside and ceiling more than floor. You know, he's he had uh, he had Bryce Wilson uh, at 68. That's by far the most aggressive ranking we've seen of him anywhere. Um, Christian Pache at 57. I mean, he has him higher than Soroka and Wilson and Freed and Tukey and Wentz. Um, that was really a surprise. I know he obviously values his glove, and I think it was him and a Chad who said a couple months back that you know he could be a big league plus defensive center fielder right now. It's just, of course, a matter of of his bat ever coming around. So, you know, it's good to see the Colby Allard thing is interesting. You know, I I know there was concerns about the fastball. Uh, that's really what what Law drove home uh, was a little concerned that with an average or sub average fastball even, and and then you know an okay changeup. Allard was really relying on his curve, and there's not much of a history of, of slider-built lefties who rely off of a curveball who have been successful. Now, um, you know whether or not you want to buy into to past success or not. You know, every pitcher is different, of course. It was interesting. Um, you know, I think for Law, um, <laughs> he uh, he's never shy, and he he certainly has um, you know strong opinions. Though I did think it was interesting that that he had Allard. Uh, in his midseason ranks, like 31, maybe 27, 28, 29, somewhere in there, uh, you know, top 35 prospect, and all of a sudden he's off his top 100 altogether, and I think he was the 13th, uh, you know, he he was like 13th on the Braves list um, and wasn't even in the honorable mentions who just missed. But again, um, you know, Allard, it was his first full year, and I know we're talking about him a lot because he was the guy who uh, who got a lot of publicity this past week, but um, you know, it was his first full season. He had some back injuries, of course, in, in high school. Um, last year, he doubled his innings pitched. Uh, in 2016, he threw about 75, 80 innings. And last year, he threw, I think, 150 and made about 25 starts. So um, whether or not the Braves are trying to keep him healthy and tell him to take a little bit off, uh, that could be uh, – this year will be interesting. I, I, I am interested to see if they're going to have him at, at Gwinnett to open up or if they're going to send him back down to Mississippi – um, I, I think Soroka is probably a lock for Gwinnett, but um, again, the Braves certainly, at least the past front office, was aggressive with their pitchers, and I do think that uh, people kind of overlook that these kids are just 20 years old and are probably three or four years younger than, than their league competition, but um, again, similar to the Zips list, they're always fun to look at, and anytime you have uh, 10 of the top 100 prospects in baseball, you really can't complain too much. Yeah, I mean, between the lists, they, uh, the Braves had about a dozen guys who landed on at least one of these lists, which is pretty wild honestly yeah. so uh that's that's kind of the best way to put it and we could probably leave it there for now uh let's move on a little bit to free agency because um 
Apparently, uh, Alex Anthopoulos said um, to a group of season ticket holders that he expects things to ramp up uh, in terms of uh, free agency uh, at some point this week, basically after the Super Bowl. And uh, there's been a lot of stuff about uh, you know player agents not being very happy, teams not, uh, teams not being very happy with player agents saying what they're saying, players being upset that people are sitting out there. So I guess we we should talk about free agency, even though you know the Braves might not be huge players in it. They might they, they might make a move or two here, I think, at the same time. But um, what's your general feeling about just this? Um, yeah. This damn way in the break right now. Uh, it, it's a mess. I mean, it, it's really starting to get pretty ugly. You have you have the players talking about holding kind of an exclusive spring training camp just for the remaining free agents, um, which is wild to even think about. Like, what's that even look like? I, I have many a playoff questions. team, a playoff team of free agents yeah. warming up in Florida somewhere, um, or hopefully Arizona. With me being out here, that'd be fun to see. Um, you know, I, I think it's probably a little bit of everything. I think the players, obviously, they're around other players and they see what kind of contracts they've gotten in free agency, many of which were, you know, were too high in the dollar value or the, in terms of years. I think the agents have have probably made promises to their clients that right now there's just not a market for, um, and that's making them look bad. And now they're kind of going on the offensive, um, and that it makes sense, right? With with all the teams, just either. You you really don't have a middle class, if you will, of the 30 teams right now. You have maybe 12 or so teams at the top that are all really good and and are looking to spend. But at the same time, they realize that there's a monster free agent class next year. Uh, and they, they need to keep their money in line and stable the luxury tax to avoid penalties. Um, and then you have, honestly, about 12 to 15 teams kind of in the bottom tier who are either entering a rebuild in the middle of a rebuild or coming out of a rebuild, kind of the way the Braves are right now. Um, and those teams aren't ones that are generally going to drop you know, $200 million on free agents in a given winter. So it's a mess. It's really getting pretty ugly. And, and you would hope that you know one or two of these top guys, a U Darvish or a J.D. Martinez, would sign. I think, as you said, it kind of breaks the dam. But right now there, there appears to be no end in sight, I hope. Um, Anthopolis is right about uh, having a little more movement after the the Super Bowl here because again, being less than two weeks away from from pitchers and catchers reporting, uh, we we have to get some traction at some point. Listen, there's there's a prominent writer out there um, who continues even into February mentioning J.D. Martinez and the Braves. So uh, <laughs> just want to put that out there. <laughs> something. Um, that's not happening, by the way. I don't think that's going to happen. I would be pretty stunned um, if that was. But people keep asking because, granted, it's on a very major place, and uh, the Braves are mentioned as a team to be looking out for with that player. So if that's going to happen, uh, you know, fans are going to ask why. Who wrote and, that? I haven't seen that. Uh, it, is on, it is on the Worldwide Leader in Sports. I can I will oh. send you a, a link to it at some point. But No kidding. Uh, it is, yes. it's actually. I think it's behind paywall maybe. I'm not sure. I know I saw it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking at it now actually. Um it's under the "Don't be surprised" section for one for one particular for J, for JD Martinez. So, uh, hmm. and the uh, and I quote: um, "How about the Braves? They need a hitter. They've cleared Matt Kip off the roster, and they have a young roster that has room to add a big salary." I think JD Martinez is going to be Matt Kemp in like three or four years. You uh, know, even you, even aside yeah. from that, um, it's like they don't understand that the team still has Nick Marquez and Ronald Cunha on it. Yeah. So, yeah. Listen, if Marquez was just gone, then. It wouldn't be as crazy. I wouldn't. I still wouldn't advocate for signing JD Martinez, but it would make more sense. But huh. um, I, yeah. I would love to see um, the Braves paying thirty plus million dollars this year for the uh, Marquez Martinez combo. That yeah, would be a lot of fun. Uh, anyway, uh, I mean, we can, <laughs> we can talk about free agents for a while. I just think it's tough for us because 
I don't think either one. I mean, maybe you do, but I don't. I don't think either one of us expect the Braves to make this huge dent in free agency. They certainly could if, on this current pace, I mean, somebody's value may come down enough, where they might swing, uh, especially at third base. I think that's probably the obvious place. And then we got a lot of questions about that. I mean, we could probably even um, talk about it a little bit now. Is you know, third base continues to be the spot. There was a, there's some. There, I guess there's sort of a debate um, between uh, you know the Todd Frazier's, the Mike Mustakas's, uh, the, the internal candidates, all that stuff. And even some uh, local writers, you know, Mark Bowman and Dave O'Brien both wrote about so the Braves, the Braves having a power problem, uh, which could be addressed by signing a guy like Frazier or Moustakis. But, I mean, that's probably the only spot. Could you think of anything else the Braves could do that would, like, be a splash that wouldn't be third base? I mean, I guess in the bullpen, but that's kind of less splashy. Yeah, I don't. I, I would hope they don't spend on a bullpen. <laughs> that's prob- I'd probably rather them sign a reliever last of all my list of priorities. I mean— if they sign like a Lance Lynn or an Alex Cobb or even like a Jaime Garcia, um, you know, to a re- I mean, obviously oh, Cobb and Lynn are at a, at a different, uh, yeah. Or, well, you talk about Adam Power, his grand slam against the uh, the Dodgers last year. Never forget. Um, never forget those two great days in July. Um, but no, I mean, I think a third baseman makes sense, though. I'm not too sure at this stage of his career. You know, Todd Frazier is is 32. Um, he was obviously with the Yankees last year and he's never really been on a good contending team. So uh, I think Ken Rosenthal was writing about the Mets's interest in, in Frazier and kind of noted that, Hey, they don't want to get played and just, you know, be used by Frazier as a, as another contract offer to kind of jack up the price. Cause it sounds like he wants to go back to the Yankees. Um, who knows if there's any truth to that or if, if he would be open to Atlanta or not. Um, but you know, Frazier, if he's open to a two or three year deal, I think it makes sense. And, you know, with Moustakas, it's really just going to come down to what the deal is, right? Because at the beginning of the, the winter team, I think MLBTR and John Heyman projected like a five year, $90 million deal, which is an insane, you know, both in years and money. I, I don't think the Braves entertain that. Oh, but, thank you. You know, now we're into the beginning of February. If, if he's going to dip down into the, you know, a four-year, $60 million deal at, you know, $15 million per, and you're going to get them for ages 29, 30, 31, and 32, I think that's something they might entertain and look at because I think he's a good enough player at that price point. Um, but again, it's who knows, right? Who knows how desperate the players are going to be, if, if they're going to, you know, who's going to blink first. Um, I would be in favor of either one, though, again, it's going to come down to the price. Um, and if they don't, I, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I think a Camargo and Ruiz platoon, it's, it, look, it's not going to be great. I was tweeting about him this morning, actually about Camargo and, uh, you know, he's not going to be a four win third baseman, but if he's a two win third baseman, or if that platoon could get you to two, two and a half wins, then, you know, that's fine. That's, that's probably realistically what you could expect out of a Frazier or a Moose. So if they sign one of those third basemen, I'd be happy as long as it's not the five years and 90 million, but you know, if, if they go into the spring with Camargo and Ruiz and hope that one of them kind of establish themselves, uh, I wouldn't be too heartbroken either. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on pretty much all of that. I, I would prefer Moustakis if it's reasonable. I and mean, that's it's one of those things yeah. where I think, we, I think even you and I talked on the pod about it when, it ha- when the projections sort of hit for free agency about like how ludicrous it would be to pay. Like if that was market value for, for Moustakis, I want no part of it. Yeah. At the same time, if he's suddenly available for a lot less, which – Listen, man, I mean, if you get into March and guys aren't signed, guys have to make money. I mean, it's yeah, one of those things play like somewhere. they could take a qualifying offer, I guess. But aside from that, like, there isn't much 
out there. I mean, I don't know. It's it's weird. I think I actually saw that you asked this question on uh, on Twitter earlier today about um, you know Camargo and Ruiz being able to to platoon their way to like two wins above above replacement in twenty eighteen. I think that's probably possible. And honestly, like, is that much worse than what they're going to get from Frazier and Bastakis, or it might even be about the same? Like, I think provided that. I'm not sure that's the best thing for development of either one of those guys, but for me, development of Camargo and Ruiz is pretty far down the list. Those guys, I don't think for me, project to be regulars moving forward. So if you have to platoon those guys to get better results this year, I kind of have no beef with that. If that makes sense, I think a lot of people will, will cringe at the thought, especially with Ruiz, of just like, okay, get, basically giving up on him hitting left-handed pitching. But if he's just not going to be able to do that and they kind of have no reason to think he will at any point, like, use him in the way that you can use him. Like go back to the one Francisco, Chris Johnson platoon. Um, and neither one of those guys were that good. Obviously Chris Johnson had that really, that one sort of fluky year, but, and it's not, it's not exactly the same. Obviously those guys were both power ish kind of guys, especially Francisco was a big power bat. Neither Camargo Ruiz is really like that. But if you just platoon those guys and play solid defense at third base, that actually isn't so bad. I don't think. Yeah, I'm with you. And again, look, you can look at this roster right now and I think you can, with the rosiest of glasses say if everything breaks right, if, if Freddie Freeman kind of continues his pre-wrist injury pace and is a legitimate MVP candidate and all the 20, 21-year-olds and Acuna and Gara and Albies are great and Dansby bounces back and, you know, Ender takes the next step and Fulte and Newcomb improve and McCarthy, you know, it's a lot of ifs, right? But, you know, I think if you have the rosiest of glasses, you can probably etch out, I don't know, what, 80, 84 wins? Does that sound fair to you? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty rosy, but yeah, I think if you just if you just factor in every young guy making the jump, maybe not every single one, but yeah, if yeah. you get what a lot of projections seem that you could get from if Acuna is is you know a elite player right away, which he I guess could be. I mean, Mike Trout was when he kind of came up in his first full season. Sure, I mean, or an Aaron Judge, right? You sure, know. I mean, it's, it could happen if Ozzy, if Ozzy's there and Dansby bounces back. And yeah, I, mean, I guess if you just if everything goes well, you could end up in the mid-80s, I suppose. And I'm not, and in no way am I projecting that, right? Me I'm just you know, yes. <laughs> but, but kind of what I was getting at is, you know, if let's say all those things happen, right, and they're, they get 84 wins, you know, as a Todd Frazier, the, the piece that they're not going to jump the Nationals and – you know, we all we all have our our feelings about the wild card game, but you look around the NL wild card right now, and uh, the the top of the National League is very very good. Uh, you know, are the Braves one of the five best teams in in the NL? You know, with everything going right, plus a Mike Mustakis. I don't know, and and because of that, I, I'm not sure I necessarily want to commit to you know four years of him. I almost lean more towards Frazier in that sense because. If you could get him again, you're you're one banking on him coming to Atlanta, um, and two, you know the Braves being able to outbid everybody for him. You know if you get him on a two year, twenty six million dollar deal or two twenty four, you know even a three thirty three, um, is that going to be the difference this year? I'm not so sure. And and then you're kind of locked into him uh, for better or worse, and that it just kind of shortens your your flexibility to play with next year with all of your money. Because who knows what's going to be out there in a year. So, again, I, if they sign Frazier Moose, as long as it's not the, the ridiculous contract, that'd be cool with it. It'll certainly make the team better. It frees up Camargo to, to go play everywhere where I think he's going to eventually be a good utility guy. Um, but if they don't, I, I, there's, there's no shame in kind of waiting and letting the kids develop. And then you can always adjust uh, and see where those two are, where Austin Riley is in a year's time, and, and go from there. 
Yeah, I mean, again, like I think the power thing is real. Like the Braves need power, and yeah. the the platoon of Ruiz and Camargo isn't going to bring that. So I totally understand why people think that's an obvious spot to go get power. Um, at the same time, if it's not available to you at a, at a market at a market rate that you're comfortable with. You don't just do it to have power for 2018. That doesn't yeah. matter yeah. in the grand sense. Like I know, looking forward, that is a question. I mean, aside from Freddie Freeman, there isn't a proven power bat um, at the major league level on this team, and that, that's that's a problem. Looking forward, when, when you want to become a contender in a couple of years. But that said, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't be trying to overpay because of that. That's not no. a reason to do that. And and by the way, you think that Ronald Acuna will add some of that in the corner. And then you still have another cycle. You have a huge free agent class in 2019. You have uh, at least another spot to do, probably two spots. You have another corner outfield spot once Marquecas uh, clears your books, and then you'll have third base again if you want to run it back. Um, and both those spots are available. And, of course, catcher will be coming up soon as well. So I don't think there's any urgency to do it, honestly. I, I do understand the reasons why people think that there is some urgency because they want to, they want the team to be better this year, and I totally get that. And... Right now, it's kind of a very similar roster. I mean, a lot of it's young guys, so you project some growth. But at the same time, like it's not night and day from 2017 to 2018 when it comes to the roster, and that's kind of, in some ways, unexciting because yeah, you know, it's kind of we we saw this this movie before. Um, you know, you could certainly talk yourself into it with the young guys being better, and they should be. At least most of them should be better. That's kind of how aging works. But at the same time, it's not as uh, not as sexy. You would you would want to say. They're more than a middle tier third baseman away from you know really Absolutely. being able to go for it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. my that's kind of where I am too. Like signing Mike Moustakis this year, even if Mike Moustakis is his best self, which is a not not a given at all, that's not going to take you where you need to go. Yeah, in twenty eighteen necessarily. So anyway, that's um, we could probably leave it there. But you know, third base is going to be very very interesting to monitor, and that's that's a spot that we we are asked about religiously. I, I promise you that um, <laughs> we're trying to answer it as much as we can. Uh, yeah. Before we get in the mailbag a little bit, uh, you have uh, been kicking around the NL East this week, so I feel that you are much more prepared than I am to talk about the NL East. But people keep asking us how that's going to look. You know, obviously the Nats are at the top, pretty much as a consensus. But uh, yeah. lay, lay out your thoughts, your early preliminary. It's very early thoughts on the NL East right now. Yeah, you look the, the Nationals. I mean, as they've been the last couple of years, they have as good of a twenty-five man roster as anybody. Adam Eaton, who they lost early last year, should be back from from knee surgery. Um, you know, the, the whole rotation is back. The bullpen, which was a mess in the first half, they they made, went out and made some trades uh, at the All Star or at the trade deadline last summer, and all those guys are back. The bullpen was quite good in the second half. We all know about the lineup. Uh, there's really no weakness, and there's talk of them, of course, adding JT Realmuto from Miami, who's a very good catcher. Catcher is kind of the only weak point on that whole team. Uh, we'll see if they get a deal done. They're pretty clearly the the front runners, I would imagine, of any division. Uh, them not winning the division is probably the biggest surprise. Maybe the Dodgers and the NL West not winning, but uh, head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, I was looking at the Mets. The Mets are actually a pretty interesting team. I mean, people forget that you know two and a half years ago they won the World Series, and then uh, the year the year after that they were a wild card and they eventually lost uh, to the Giants, but were a wild card team. And then last year was was just a complete mess. You know, Terry Collins kind of lost them. And when basically every player on the team gets hurt outside of DeGrom, uh, you know, Syndergaard missed time. Conforto got hurt. Cespedes got hurt. Steven Matz got hurt. The whole bullpen was hurt. I mean, literally, like, 
eighty percent of the the opening day twenty five man roster hit the DL at some point. So they're an interesting team. You know, they they re-signed Jay Bruce to solidify that lineup. If they can have a Bruce Cespedes and Conforto outfield, that's as good as it gets. Uh, obviously, the health of the pitchers is going to be a big big factor into how far they go. But if Syndergaard is able to come back and, and throw 200 really good innings and Grom is is able to repeat what he's done the last few years. Steven Matz is a really good number three uh, whenever he's going right. Uh, you know, I think they're kind of a sneaky team and because they're going to play 55 or so games against uh, the Marlins and the Phillies and the Braves, I think they have a chance to kind of surprise people as the, as the couple good teams in the Central and the West beat up on each other. They're going to be beating up on the Phillies and Marlins. Uh, so I, I think they're kind of a sleeper team. Again, there's no guarantees that they stay healthy, but nonetheless, an interesting team. Um, the Phillies, they were, I didn't realize this, and this is kind of the lead, not to shoot the lead down of, of the oh, thing, God. but uh, <laughs> but uh, the Phillies have been the worst team in baseball in the last five years. They're really yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't bad. know that, I, or I, I guess I didn't realize that until I was looking at it. I'm like, holy cow, they haven't won more than like 71 games the last five seasons, which is they crazy. Paid, they paid a very heavy price for all their all, all those all-in moves they did. for yeah. when, when, they, when they were contending, no one was more um, present-focused than the Phillies. They basically yeah. just said, we do not care at all about the future for about a five-year period, and it kind of bit them. Yeah, and totally. And, and you look at this team, and they are – you know, kind of similar to the Braves. I mean, they didn't really have the assets to, to ship out the way the Braves did to build their farm. They've kind of built their farm more through, you know, five plus years of having a top three draft pick. Um, but again, you know, there's a couple pieces there. They signed Carlos Santana, which was maybe the biggest surprise of the winner so far. He, you know, he's certainly a power bat. Uh, Reese Hoskins came out of nowhere last year and was incredible uh, at the plate as a rookie. Uh, so they, they have a couple guys, you know, Michael Franco has some, some uh, pop and he's just kind of been an enigma and he'll, you know, one night he'll go four for four with two homers and then he'll go in an 0 for 10 streak and straight, strike out eight times. So he's interesting. Odubel Herrera is a solid player. Uh, the lineup could be pretty decent. It's just the pitching. Um, Aaron Nola is a really good young righty, but after him, there's really nothing. Um, the bullpen might be okay, but again, I, I have, uh, you know, I, in my, uh, series i had the nats first met second uh the braves third uh the phillies fourth and then obviously the marlins who were almost kind of tough to write about just because you literally don't know who's gonna make up the roster i mean it's the uh, worst team in the league by far as, yeah. as presently constructed like it's that team it, they probably won't because it's almost impossible they probably won't challenge that tigers team of like 12 years ago that was yeah the or the astros yeah uh, but yeah it's that roster is it's comical Honestly, yeah, and, and they still might give up guys, right? Like right now, yeah, they're not done. <laughs> they might win, I don't know, sixty-eight, sixty-six games. And, Seems high, <laughs> and they right, and they can still give away Real Muto and Justin Bohr and Dan Straley and a couple others. So, yeah, it, it was legitimately hard. I mean, I mean, I it's not even worth talking about. Like, honestly, like, yeah, that, that's how bad they yeah. are. It's like that's the team. that's just even the Braves are a solid favorite against them every time they play, regardless of where the game is, like they're going to be an underdog every day of the season. I mean, it's not like they have this like number one, a lot of bad teams like have a number one starter or something like that. that can maybe live on the playing field on a given day. They don't, they don't have that. Like they don't have even right. When even the brave, you know, three years ago when they were what the second or third worst team in the game, Freddie Freeman and Tehran and, you know, a couple assets they were able to trade at the deadline. Yeah. I mean, there's no one there. 
<laughs> it's real bad. Uh, so, we can we can leave it there on, on my on Miami. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it was hard to come up with words for them. Yeah, I can I can see that. And listen, I mean, your your job is difficult in this way because, as we've mentioned before, all this stuff is going to change. I mean, I'm not not, not like every single team is going to change between now and spring training, but a lot of them are because there's just too many free agents that are available. Like they have yeah. to sign somewhere. These guys are not going to sit out the season. They're just not going to no. do that. Um, you might see one guy that's just like has has an agent that's like, all right, we're going to sit out. Like, okay, maybe maybe one guy does that, maybe, and I and I doubt it. Um, there's, as you mentioned, come up, there's like forty, like forty guys that are still out there that are that are all productive players. So, anyway, yeah. it's 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 a tough job, but yeah, there's a there's a brief preview of the, of the NL East, and we can we'll dive back into it at some point in time, I'm sure, just because you know things are going to change between now and then. Um, we can probably get in the mailbag a little bit here. Uh, one question we got from a question, uh, sorry, frequent question asker Patrick Mollett, and he asks, how much does Colby Allard's stock rise back up if his fastball is uh, a few ticks better this season? And that, that was that was one thing that, that Law noted a, a big time was that he was really kind of worried about Allard's fastball. Uh, I would think a lot. I mean, yeah. again, I'm, I'm interested to see if he's built some strength after, after throwing 150 innings last year, but you know, I know the reports were it was hanging around 90 and would, you know, touch 92, 93, but was more like 89, 90. But if, if he can routinely throw it in the, the low 90s and touch the mid 90s, I would think that would do a lot for him. Yeah, I mean, there's almost no question about it. It's just kind of, of course, it ma- the rest of it matters too. Like, it's not as if it's all he has to fix. He's still a young yeah. pitcher that has a lot of different things um, to, you know, worry about and fine but i mean i think yeah i just found out law said he was uh, working with a with a 45 grade fastball for most of the season and that's not going to work i mean yeah i mean you better I, really be able to control it if it's a 45 grade fastball i mean it might there's a way where he could pitch in the major leagues with that but not in the way that a lot of braves fans yeah. and obviously the braves front office thought he could i mean you don't draft a guy in the first round and hope he's going to make the majors because of his grit and guile yeah like yeah, that, that's fifth starter territory. If it's a if he you know doesn't improve it, yeah, that that's a fifth starter's fastball there. Yeah, so I mean, apparently, and again, I, I will not I will not claim to have seen a whole lot of Colby Allard firsthand last year, but I guess again, according to law, um, he, he even says, and I quote, he's a, he's a very different guy at ninety to ninety three with the fastball than uh, and, and touching a little bit more than that than than he actually is at eighty seven or eighty eight with the fastball, and that's most guys. By the way, it's not like it's a Colby Allard thing. Um, yeah. You know, if you if you suddenly gain you know four or five miles per hour in your fastball, most guys are going to be better, and that's kind of what happens. Uh, even you know we've seen plenty of guys who sort of find their velocity for a couple of years and are much much better during that t- during that period of time. But uh, yeah, that's that's the obvious answer, but it's also the correct one if that makes sense. Like if he, well, if and, you know, we talk about them like they're these you know twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven year old grown yeah. men. I mean, he's he's what twenty twenty one, so. There's certainly room to kind of fill out and get the grown man strength that you know that, that always is mentioned with with young athletes. Um, yeah, and I, I don't think Keith Law is coming out either and saying, you know, uh, screw Colby Allard. No, you know, he has no chance. Not. It's I think it's just a product of Law valuing upside than floor. And hey, if again, and, and we talk about this at length, and you know, everybody wants every pitching prospect to be the new ace. But if if your first round pick gives you a couple good years as a four or five starter, that's not you know that's not the end of the world, right? No, that's something we could, yeah we I, I'm good actually talking about that more often. But uh, we had it a little bit recently. It's like yeah, man. I mean, 
expectations are everything. I mean, I, I had gotten into an argument with somebody a couple of weeks ago about Jason Hayward, and it was like, you're really going to call the guy a bust that averaged five wins a season for four, five, six years? Like, I understand mm. he might not have been what you thought he was going to be, um, but like, that's the conversation with Ronald Acuna. If Ronald Acuna isn't a top 10 player in baseball, people are going to call him a bust, and it, it'll be the funniest thing in the world. Like, it, he could be a 15-year pro that makes a huge impact. And if he's not yeah. this uber-elite guy, people are going to think he's terrible. And that's it's the Hayward conundrum. Again, it's basically the exact same thing. I mean, if anything, Acuna's expectations are even higher than Hayward's were. But looking back, I mean, I was we were we were both around when Hayward was coming up. Like, you yeah. know, the fact that people think he's a bust based on what he was in Atlanta is, I mean, <laughs> the guy's, the guy's going to make $200 million-plus in the major leagues. Yeah, like, yeah. And, I don't know. It's just it's just, it's, it's a dumb argument, but it does. In a it does handful of gold, yeah, no, I'm with. I mean, handful of gold gloves. He's you know an above average hitter through the first you know what is this now year eight year nine of Hayward. And he's not the only example. Like it's it's worth. I mean, that's just the obvious one. I think it's probably the one that relates most to Braves fans. When I try to make this point because he's the yeah. most recent you know Uber prospect that was still a good player that wasn't you know an Uber elite player. Um, mm. And that even is, though he had a couple of elite seasons yeah, in there. Yeah, I mean, that's right? the thing. Like People just act like he's been the guy. He, like, he was the guy he's been the last couple of years his entire career. Like, no, he actually used to hit a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he yeah. wasn't a 40-homer guy like people thought he might be or a, 30, or a 300, 400, 500 guy like Chipper Jones. But, like, there were years – like, you don't get to six – you don't get to six wins in the majors without hitting. Like, it's kind yeah. of impossible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, um, oh, I'll just that Jason till yeah. my last day. Yeah, for sure. And, and in Allard's case, like obviously, the expectations weren't quite that level. But you're, if you're a top 15 pick in the draft, like you know, expectations are going to follow you around. And as you mentioned, you, you want to feel old, Scott. I mean, I'm uh, you and I are about the same age. Um, Colby Allard was born in 1997. Yeah. So that kind of tells you all you need to know about that. Like I was, uh, I was, in, I was in either the sixth or seventh grade in 1997. So yeah, uh, and he's a ridiculous pitching prospect so we'll keep yeah. an eye on him I, if, he, if he throws harder all of a sudden like it wasn't like he again by the way he was pretty good last year it wasn't like he was awful in mississippi at the age of 19 he had an era of 3.18 yeah <laughs> at yeah, the age that, of 19 I mean, you, in double a you can do worse what were you doing when you were 19 years old you know, i was figuring out community college i think <laughs> i mean having a 3.18 era in double a if you're 23 isn't bad he was 19 right. yeah yeah. 19 years old. It's like, oh man, sliding scales are one thing, but it's uh, it's wild. Uh, anyway, we can move on to what I think will probably be the last question, just because it might be the last question. Um, good friend of the program, Daniel asks, y'all, do y'all think that there is any chance that a young guy lights up spring training and beats out specifically Brandon McCarthy in the rotation? And that mm. sort of goes hand in hand because uh, Brian Snicker this week told the media, that only Julio Tehran and Mike Fultonavich are sort of guaranteed roster spots, which I thought was interesting because yeah, I've long he hates Fulty. <laughs> yeah, that was that that was one thing that was interesting is that last year he went out of his way to say Fulty wasn't guaranteed a roster spot, even though yeah. we all know he would be. And then this time around, I, I'd be pretty stunned if Brandon McCarthy was healthy and not in the rotation. Let me just say that. Yeah, same here. Yeah. I- I mean, before Snit said that, if you had to ask me if 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 either Fulty or McCarthy were guaranteed a roster spot or a rotation spot, I would have said McCarthy instead of instead of Mike. Me too. I mean, McCarthy could could easily be hurt, like he is always hurt. But if he's yeah. healthy, man, there's no way he's not in rotation. I can't. I can't yeah, he's a good. That. He would have been the best pitcher on the Braves last year, and he threw like a hundred innings. Yeah, I mean, and again, like he could just fall off a cliff because he's not that young. But the, 
he'd have to have a 15 ERA in spring at least. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I think, yeah. And, and, you know, and, Anthopolis certainly worked very closely with McCarthy and kind of knows, I would imagine as well as anyone kind of where his health is at and how much he thinks he has left in the tank. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you're looking for someone to beat out in spring training, it's probably Sean Newcomb. Yeah. Um, that would be the most likely candidate for me. Cause I think, you know, Julio Fulte, and if Johara is decent in spring, he'll be in the rotation. I'm pretty confident about that. And yeah. McCarthy is healthy. So that's four that I'm pretty confident about. And even, honestly, I'm pretty confident in all five, but there's a scenario where Newcomb is just unimpressive in spring and they don't have a whole lot of patience with him because of how up and down he is and because of the, the control stuff. I could see if someone was just incredible in spring, maybe beating out Newcomb, but he would be the yeah. guy I would target. If if he was like unable to complete three innings in a start, which you know, he, he was walking, which he does, uh, you know, I, I could see it now. He does have a lot of innings in the minors. So True. from that sense, I don't know what, but again, with him, it, it's probably more of a, Hey, this guy's never going to throw strikes compared to, Hey, he just needs more seasoning in the minors. Um, and yeah, the way that, that Louise just completely dominated every level last year, I don't know what else he has to do in the minors. I mean, if if they really you know, but if Max Fried has a great spring and you decide that you're going to have him in the rotation instead of Gahara for a month, um, okay. Uh, but, I could see. Uh, yeah, I don't see yeah. that though. Like I think Johara would have to struggle, yeah. like pretty badly. And I mean, if you want to tell me that Fried beats out Newcomb, that would not blow me away because they're yeah, sort of the, yeah. they're sort of similar tier prospects too. Like Newcomb, because Newcomb's not that young. Like Newcomb would be 25 in June. Like he's not. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's like a year down. younger than Fulty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Max Fried is kind of volatile and has some injury stuff, but they're basically the same age, Fried and Newcomb. And yeah. you know, Fried was a top ten pick. Like it's you know, he's not a guy who, if he was suddenly good, it wouldn't surprise many people. It wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if he was bad either. Like he's a pretty he's a pretty volatile prospect. Like to the point where, if Max Fried never made another start with the Braves, I wouldn't be overly stunned. Um, that's kind of hot take, I guess. I, I guess just because you know he yeah. probably he'll, he'll probably be a six starter to open the season, so most most of those guys make starts during the season. But I don't know. Um, we'll see. He's sort of I, a guy who yeah. can pivot either way. And different front office. I hated the way they handled Freed last Agreed. year. Agreed. Be crazy. The three weeks in the bullpen in Atlanta, but wasn't like made like two appearances in three weeks, and then went back down to the minors to start, and then came back up and made like a start and then they skipped him and then he made another start and I think started the final game of the year and was, you know, really good. And then the wheels kind of fell off. I, yeah. It, I don't know what they were trying to do with him. I mean, it wasn't like they needed a fresh arm for the bullpen for like a playoff run. Right. So I, it was I, don't, very, I don't know what they were doing. Strange. I actually just forgot. I actually forgot that until you brought it up. Like, as we used to kind of weekly rant about what they were doing with Freed. But yeah, they were jerking him around like he was a you know a 32-year-old journeyman who just kind of throws a couple innings when there's a blowout. I mean, I yeah, assume they I were worried about innings, but I mean... Then yeah. just keep him down. Yeah, right, don't you know, do what they him. did with him. That can't be the best thing for his arm, but maybe maybe, maybe, maybe they thought it was. Um, yeah. But, you know, to answer the question again, like I think McCarthy not being in rotation, if he's healthy and not absolutely terrible, would be a surprise. Yeah, I, I think it's just about a lock, and they're paying him some pretty good money too. So I, they're not going to give up on a you know thirty four year old pitcher off of five or six bad spring training starts. Yeah, the presence of McCarthy is what stops them from going out and signing this year's version of Ari Dickey. Like, yeah. that, that's McCarthy. They're just doing it. They just did it via trade instead of signing him. 
McCarthy is the stopgap one yeah. year um, veteran. That's yeah, a good point. Guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's and which is fine. I mean, by the way, he's he's usually good when he's healthy. The problem is health. Um, but if he's you know if they if they can get a hundred inning a hundred innings down, that'd yeah, be a, that'd be yeah, a win. Tw- twenty starts would be huge. Yeah, right? just make, make twenty starts, eat some innings, be decent. And uh, just don't get the Braves beat when you pitch. I mean, and if he only does that, like the rest of his, the rest of that rotation spot can go to free, and they can go to whoever else um, yeah. for, for the rest of the year, and that, that'll be just fine. Yeah, best you know, bet we talk about getting freed some starts. I think best case is McCarthy has a great you know April, May, June, and they flip him. And even if you're getting oh, a yes, you know, a fringe, you know, who was it? Who was the starting pitcher they flipped for Travis Demerit like two years ago? Um, oh. I can't even remember it. Lucas Harrell, right? Yes, Lucas Harrell. Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, and McCarthy's a far better pitcher when he's healthy than Lucas Harrell. Even if you get a fringe, you know, 4A, top 20, top 25, you know, in an organization prospect for a guy who's going to be a free agent and you have, you know, no interest in bringing back, that's a big win. Uh, By the way, did you know that Brandon McCarthy McCarthy, uh, has an $8 million club option for 2019? Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't either. And unless I'm, unless this is wrong, what I'm currently looking at, but um, I'm looking at another. I'm gonna to try to find another source now, just because I didn't. I had no idea that was true. I'm looking at it. I now. Neither. It, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a club yeah. option. So again, I mean, that's important. It's not a like you don't have to pick it up, which is a nice spot to be in if you're the Braves. Um, yeah. I'm trying to find it somewhere else, but uh, yeah, I mean, yep, there it is. Conditional club option for 2019. So yeah, that's um, yeah. If he throws 150 innings and makes 25 starts and is his normal self, I think it would at least be in the conversation for for bringing I mean, back. If, I'd it's rather eight million. Do, yeah, that's nothing for like, a pitcher. That's nothing. No, if if he's healthy, man, like that could be. We're, we're getting far ahead of ourselves in that one. I just so <laughs> I was uh, I was looking at his contract to even to make a point about um, how flippable it is uh, because you know this year he's making. Basically, a base salary of ten million dollars. It's eleven and a half if you factor in the signing bonus he got at the beginning of the contract. But um, a ten million dollar base, if he's pitching well into May and June, you just trade him like that. Yeah, especially with the club option now, that actually increases his value. Like because mm-hmm. it's if he's pitching well, you pick it up, and if he's not, you don't. And it's yeah, it's nice. So anyway, just something to throw out there with McCarthy. And interesting. Uh, yeah, I had no idea. I didn't either. Uh, shouts to the good folks at Spot Track. For, uh, there you go. Finding me that one, and I had to, I went back and confirmed it with the, with the Associated Press. So I think it's a real thing. Uh, and if we're wrong, please add us because that'll be my fault. At, at me, sorry. <laughs> just don't add Scott. At me if I'm not me about this. It was not Scott's fault. People already hate tweet me enough. People hate <laughs> me uh, on this podcast, which I found the last couple of weeks. No, I appreciate. Actually, really appreciate everybody reached out that said they listened to every one of the hundred of the first hundred episodes. I, that is. Oh, that's awesome! Mind blowing. Uh, so, thanks to everybody that reached out and said that. And if, even if you didn't, if you just listen, if you listen to ninety eight, you're still cool too. I promise. Uh, it's if fun. you listen to five, agreed. Yeah, awesome. I mean, if you uh, just waited at all, we really appreciate yeah. it. Uh, anyway, well, Scott, thanks for coming on, man. Anything else you want to get out there uh, before we uh, part ways? Yeah, we mentioned the NL East preview stuff, and then it's interesting. I was just looking at FanGraphs, and so Kylie McDaniel, who former of course is hired. Yeah, yeah, I think he was like the West Coast. Like scout checker, you know, whatever, whatever his title was. Um, so he's back at Fangraphs, of course. Now that there's been the change in Atlanta, um, and his what happened? I believe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have 50 minutes because we could talk for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, his uh, so his 
I think organizational organizational rankings for the Braves come out this week, and he would certainly know the farm better than oh yeah uh, maybe anybody in the entire country. Uh, <laughs> so that that'll be a fascinating thing to see, and I hope he kind of sprinkles in kind of some of the thought processes behind some of the various deals and the prospects and what the Braves, at least the old regiment thought of guys. Like I would love to see what his take on Austin Riley is, you know, a, a polarizing prospect who there are many, many opinions on who he's going to be, you know, oh, yeah. or, I mean, uh, I actually didn't put that together. Yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned that. That's something definitely to look out for because I will be taking a look at that. That's for sure. He's, uh, he, he would certainly know. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, of course, um, it's not like he couldn't be wrong. We should always say that out loud. Like, of course, internal people are often wrong about their own prospects, but still, like, he has the best information that you're possibly going to have on these guys. Yeah, yeah. So I saw he, he in his chat the other day. He said this week uh, it should come out. So that, that'll be interesting. Um, and again, we'll we'll always cover stuff. And hopefully, you know, at this point, man, I'm just I'm I'll take a ridiculous rumor about the Braves just to give us something to talk about. Uh, I'm here for that. There's no question about that. I would be. Uh, I'm good with it, to be sure. But uh, like, anyway. say that. Say that Greg Holland is is considering the Braves, and then everyone can debate whether or not they should give money to a reliever. Oh Lord, yeah, I would debate that. I would, <laughs> say that. I would be. Yeah. Uh, I'd be making something. Give us yeah, something. I would be. I would. Deb- I would be debating it to be sure. Uh, anyway, man. Well, thank you for uh, joining me as always, and we'll have to have you back soon, my friend. Of course, man. Thanks as always. Please check out Scott's stuff. Check out the site at Talking Chop on uh, Twitter, on Facebook, and of course at TalkingChop.com. And we'll see you guys next week.